This is the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very same hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We trust in many things, don't we? Just this morning, for instance, all of us trusted in our cars and the drivers of those around us to get us safely to church. Up until about 7 a.m., I trusted that I was going to be the first one here, and then I saw a parking lot full of people. I'm also 100% not a morning person. I'm sure some of you can relate. Uh, So every night before I go to bed, I set my alarm and I trust that it will wake me up on time in the morning. Those of you like me who might be cat or dog owners or both, trust that our furry companions won't destroy our homes while we're away. We trust our medical providers and the care and treatment that they prescribe to make us well again. And all of you put great trust in me and Pastor Muriel and John and Sherry as your pastors to hold your concerns in prayer and in confidence. We trust in many things. You name it, and there's probably an element of trust there. Everything that we rely on and take for granted in our daily lives as true. But what happens when that trust is broken? Every week we gather in this sanctuary to worship and to experience community, and we trust this to be a safe space. And thanks be to God that it always has been. The worshipers at El Nor and Linwood Mosques in New Zealand this week trusted their houses of worship to be a safe place, too, until that trust was abruptly violated by an active shooter, killing now up to 50 people who had come for Friday prayers. We don't have to go too far back in time or even too far away from home to realize that what happened in New Zealand isn't an isolated event. We remember and we grieve the shooting at Tree of Life Synagogue only months ago in Pittsburgh. And at Mother Emanuel AME Church, where one of our own Lutheran seminary trained pastors was on staff in Charleston only four years ago. 
And whenever I drive down I-94 back and forth to Chicago and pass by the exit for Oak Creek, I remember the shooting at the Sikh temple there not many years ago. And so this week, in the wake of yet another tragic shooting, I keep hearing the words of that hymn over and over again, God, when human bonds are broken. God, when human bonds are broken. What do we do when human bonds are broken? When human trust is violated by acts of violence and hate, acts that betray a sense of safety that we always have taken for granted, when we're confronted head-on again by the reality of the brokenness and evil of the world? What do we do and say in those moments? We can echo the words of our presiding bishop of the ELCA, Elizabeth Eaton, and we can condemn hatred, bigotry, racism, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, and violence wherever and however they occur. And we turn in prayer. We turn to our communities of faith. And we trust in God somehow to sustain us, to get us through, to mend us, to make us whole again. Earlier this past week, as I was planning worship, I stumbled across the words that are printed as the opening thought in your bulletin. I actually discovered them as a, uh, as a choral setting, uh, but they were originally words that were just written down. I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I don't feel it. I believe in God even when God is silent. Those words were reportedly found etched on the wall of the cellar of a Jewish home in Cologne, Germany, during the height of Nazi persecution during World War II, during a time when human trust and human bonds had been broken. Whoever etched those words turned not to despair, although they would have had every reason to do so. But they turned to their faith and trust in God, even in the bleakest of circumstances. Two days ago, I received an email from the imam of ISM West, the mosque here in Brookfield. I won't lie, he says, our community is shaken, angered, and scared. But in that same email, he invited the community to gather on Friday nights for a service of prayer hosted at his mosque where an act of hate and violence sought to separate and instill fear in a community, it only made that community gather more strongly, more faithfully, even defiantly, clinging to God and to each other in spite of devastating circumstances, in spite of the fear that it could happen to them. And so whether at a mosque in New Zealand or Brookfield, Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, or Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, it's remarkable. No community under attack has ever shut down over an act of hate and violence. And in fact, just the opposite. It only seems to drive people of faith closer to their faith, toward a deeper trust 
in God. There's something to this trust in God. Trust abounds in our readings today. Abram laments that he and Sarai, his wife, have no children and thus no heir. And God's response is a promise. As many descendants as there are stars, if Abram is able to count them all. And then Abram trusts in this God who promises, this God who makes a covenant with Abram and Sarai. And trust in God does not disappoint because covenant making and covenant uh, or in promise making and keeping those promises is what God is all about. And so we, with Abram, lament and we trust in God's covenant promises. We trust in God's tender motherly care. These are words that I've come to cherish as a part of the liturgy at my home congregation, often spoken before the Lord's prayer, trusting in God's tender motherly care. We pray. The image from our gospel reading today of a mother hen gathering her brood under her wings is a timely image. It's an ancient image in scripture itself and in the writings of the early church. One early church theologian, Anselm of Canterbury, writing in the 11th century, speaks of Jesus as a mother who gathers us. And perhaps more famously, the medieval mystic Julian of Norwich, whose own writings appear in our hymnal, writes of Christ as our true mother who bears us for joy and life. And the words of another hymn, this one from a Filipino writer, expand on this image that Jesus himself uses. And that hymn begins, when twilight comes and the sun sets, mother hen prepares for night's rest as her brood shelters under her wings. And then in the very next stanza, the hymn writer links that image to another the scene of Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples, caring for them even in a time of crisis and fear and uncertainty about what the immediate future might hold for them. And so those images feel appropriate, especially today, as we mourn, again, the brokenness of our world, the brokenness of human trust, but also as we gather in the shelter of this place, the shelter of Jesus, our mother hen, who yearns to gather us and make us whole. Trusting in God's tender motherly care is to trust in God's ability to bear us to life, to nurture us, to protect us. Trusting in God's tender motherly care, we take refuge in the covenant promise and the care of a God who does not, cannot, and will not ever abandon us. Thanks be to God. <laughs>